Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome. This is the Thanksgiving edition of this podcast. I'm flying solo today. Ed Hunt is currently on vacation, but he'll be back next week. This is Blitzcast number 84, guys. Um, And we're going to start the show off again uh, talking about the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, The Baltimore Ravens just obliterated the Los Angeles Rams on Monday night. And it was just, it was fun to watch. It really was. And I'm seeing the the maturation of of Lamar Jackson and what he's been doing. Last year, we we got excited about his rookie season. He was running around. that He was showing off his dual threat ability. But this year, we're seeing a more complete passer. A guy who's more confident in what he's doing out there from the pocket. In the last four games, ever since the Patriots game, he's just been Mr. Efficient. I mean, if you look at the numbers out there for all of your, uh, all of you guys, statistical junkies out there, he's thrown 13 touchdowns and zero interceptions. I mean, that offense has been running at an all-time high. We, we all know what Lamar Jackson can do with his feet. But I've been impressed with what he's doing with his arm. He's scanning the field better. He's reading the field. He's spreading the ball around to different targets, running backs, tight ends. He he likes to go to Marquise Brown, who is his favorite target down the field. And again, he's not making mistakes. Mr. Efficient. And right now, he is the front runner for the MVP award. Obviously, Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes are going to be there in the end. And most likely, they might win it. But Lamar Jackson this year is really having a huge season. And what he did against the Rams, he didn't throw for a ton of yards. That, that's not what that offense asks him to do. But he threw five touchdowns. He was able to, to do what he does best. I mean, he goes from zero to 60 in, in a matter of you know a half a second. He's able to avoid those defenders. And it was impressive. It really is. When you look at the Ravens team, they're certainly a dangerous one right now. And they've got the 49ers coming up on Monday night. Um, two teams that I don't think anybody expected to have uh, the type, types of records that they have right now. And I'm looking at the Ravens. I mean, they're at home. Uh, according to Bavada Sportsbook, uh, Ravens at home are minus six over the San Francisco 49ers. So we're going to see two great defenses, two aggressive, physical defenses. And that's what the Ravens bring. I mean, Don Don Martindale, the defensive coordinator there, is going to be a a hot head coaching candidate in the offseason. He likes to bring pressure. He likes to blitz. Um, They traded for Marcus Peters, and he he has solidified that secondary out there. They've got Humphrey. They've got Jimmy Smith. But Marcus Peters brings a different dimension uh, to that secondary. He's able to lock down that number one target. And we saw what he did against Jared Goff at the end of the fourth quarter. He baited Jared Goff. He was in zone coverage, and he came up with that, that beautiful interception. And certainly Marcus Peters was, was, glad, was glad to obliterate the Los Angeles Rams, who traded him away uh, about a month ago. Um, obviously, he was glad to, to beat his old team. Uh, Let's start with the 49ers. The 49ers, obviously, their recipe has been pretty simple. Uh, Run the football and play great defense. And they're able to bring pressure with those four defensive linemen. 
Uh, there, how easy does that make uh, secondary's job? Secondary can drop back, you know, seven or eight guys, and they're able to, um, you know, just cover those wide receivers. If you can bring pressure with three or four defensive linemen on every play, it makes your secondary's job a lot easier. And we saw, if we go back in the historical uh, perspective, we saw how the Bucks won the Super Bowl with, with John Gruden. And before that, they dominated with Tony Dungy. That defense, led by Warren Sapp, was able to bring pressure on the opposing quarterback. And um, they made their defense's job uh, a lot easier. We saw how the New York Giants won two Super Bowls uh, in this century. Uh, same thing by having Michael Strahan, by having Justin Tuck, uh, Osio Manioro, uh, Matias Kiwanuko. I mean, those guys, uh, those guys were able to get pressure on the opposing quarterback by just bringing uh, pressure with the three, four defensive linemen. And that's the way they were able to, to win against the Patriots in the Super Bowl two times. Certainly the 49ers have the winning recipe right now. And um, Nick Bosa has added a different dimension. Armstead, DeForest Buckner. I mean, we're, we're seeing these guys um, bring pressure and, and dominate up front because I mean this game is one in the trenches that that's what it's all about so it's going to be an exciting game between the 49ers and the Ravens this Monday night and I'm just I'm looking forward to it guys and I'm actually picking the Niners to, to win um, I'm, I'm sticking with my Niners I just think that they're, they're clicking on different dimensions right now Jimmy G is playing better um, I think that offensive line is doing a good job up front with Michael McGlinchey back on, in the fold. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm picking the upset here over the Ravens. I think the Niners will come out on top. Let's talk about the Thanksgiving games. I mentioned that this is the Thanksgiving edition of the show. We're taping on, on Thursday. And uh, we saw three great games on Thanksgiving. And... Um, so let's start with the early game. Let's start with Mitch Trubisky against the Detroit Lions. You know, the Detroit Lions jumped out on top with David Blau, who's the third-string quarterback, just guiding that ship. And they got off to a great start, 14-7. But then slowly and surely, the Bears continued to grind. And Mitch Trubisky showed some heart. He made some plays especially on that throw at the end of the game when they were losing by three points. It was 20-17. to 17. It was a third down play. Mitchell Trubisky just stood in the pocket and delivered the ball beautifully downfield to Anthony Miller. Um, that, was, that was a clutch throw. I realize the Bears fans have been bashing Mitch Trubisky throughout the season, and deservedly so. That offense hasn't been clicking. But you know what? Against the Lions... That offense performed efficiently, and the Bears won the game 24-20. to The Bears' defense is still good. If the offense can, can make some plays, if they can run the football with David Montgomery and make some plays on the outside with Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller, if Trubisky limits his mistakes, I think the Bears, they've got a shot. I don't know if they've got a shot to, to make the playoffs because obviously... The, the wild card race, it's, it, it really is a tight one. But the thing is, I mean, they're still back in the fold. They're, they're still able to, to grind it out there. And let's talk about the Lions. 
you know, I've I've watched this Matt Patricia team the past two years, and I haven't been impressed. Matt Patricia was supposed to be the the defensive whiz. He came from the Bill Belichick tree. The Detroit Lions got rid of Jim Caldwell, who had who spent four seasons with the Detroit Lions, and he had three winning seasons. The last two seasons, Jim Caldwell was nine and seven. He actually led the Lions into the playoffs two times. He wasn't able to win the big game. He wasn't able to, to win a playoff game. And that's the reason why the Ford family got rid of him. But when Matt Patricia was hired, it was supposed to be a, a different tune. Obviously, Matthew Stafford was having a great season before he got injured. It was probably his best season up to date. Um, right now, he's on the sideline. And it's it's going to be a few weeks before he returns to uh, to being the starting quarterback. And we all know that now the Lions, I mean, they don't have a shot at making the playoffs. So I'm sure they'll just, they might just have him sit out the last four games because possibly Jeff Driscoll comes back or David Blau is going to continue to be the starting quarterback. But I've been disappointed with the Lions defense throughout. I This was supposed to be Matt Patricia's strength. And I'm just, I'm not seeing it. He brought in a couple of free agent signings out there. Trey Flowers was was the big one out there and he's been doing his job but the Lions haven't been able to bring consistent pressure week in and week out they're just they're not able to get after the quarterback and you have to do this in this league whether you you bring it with the four defensive line linemen or you bring some manufacture um, you know you bring the blitz you try to manufacture pressure and Matt Patricia just hasn't been able to do that and unfortunately I just I look at his record right now, and he was six and ten last year. He's three eight and one this year, and I just I can't see how he's going to survive. I really haven't. The, again, the defense has played so poorly. Uh, when you allow three hundred and thirty-eight passing yards to Mitch Trubisky, he throws three touchdowns, and you only manufacture one turnover. That's pretty bad. It really is. And again, if the defense was playing well, you would say Matt Patricia is going to come back for another season because Matthew Stafford is going to be healthy next year. And they just, this has been atrocious. Matt Patricia, you know, the bad body language on the sideline, it seems like he wants no part of it. I just look at a guy that is a really good defensive coordinator, but I don't think he's head coaching material. So I think the Lions are going to be looking for for a new head coach in the, in the offseason. Let's go with another game. Um, it was the afternoon game between the Dallas Cowboys and the Buffalo Bills. The, the Cowboys were at home. Uh, everybody was favoring the Cowboys to win this game and, and bounce back. Coming into the game, they were 6-5. and five. They had to have this win um, because they would have won. They would have taken legitimate hold of that NFC East division. Unfortunately, that's not what happened. And they got off to a great start. The Cowboys got off to a great start with Dak Prescott. They scored on their opening drive, which hasn't happened. I don't think they've scored an opening drive this season. Dak Prescott was able to find Jason Witten in the red zone. And um, everything was clicking. Uh, They were off to a great start. And then things just went sour. Dak Prescott threw a pick. Uh, He fumbled the ball, and it was just the defense wasn't able to stop Josh Allen. 
Uh, they allowed a, a couple of big plays, uh, even though they were able to get pressure on Josh Allen. But the offense just didn't step up. Ezekiel Elliott looked good in the first quarter, kind of went away from that. And that they put the ball in Dak Prescott hands. He threw for a lot of yards. I mean, he threw for over 300 yards. Um, but again, he wasn't efficient. He made mistakes. And the Buffalo Bills just, they didn't make those mistakes. Sean McDermott's team played good defense. They were able, Josh Allen had his coming out party on, on Thanksgiving. And uh, the Dallas Cowboys just completely fell flat once again on, on national television. And look, if you look at the Dallas Cowboys squad, you've got Dak, Pre Dak Prescott, who is coming to his own. You have Ezekiel Elliott, who got the big contract, and he's still a, a top five running back in this league. You've got a very good offensive line that, that can protect the, the quarterback and can open up holes for Zeke. Um, you've got an efficient defensive line. You've got good linebackers. Um, the only, I guess, knock on the Dallas Cowboys you can make is that secondary. I mean, that secondary doesn't have any uh, big-time star players, um, but except for Byron Jones. But the truth is, it all goes back to the head coach. Jason Garrett is not getting out the, the most out of this group. He's got star players everywhere. He's got Amari Cooper on the outside. He's got Jason Witten. He's got Michael Gallup, who, who made some plays on, on Thursday night. And it's just... It's not working out right now. And I, I keep going back. It goes back to, to the head coach. The team is not performing at its best when it matters the most. The Dallas Cowboys haven't bit, beaten a team with the winning record this season. They've beaten teams that they were supposed to beat. But teams with the winning record ha have certainly manhandled them. And we saw that with the Buffalo Bills. The Bills aren't flashy. You know, they they don't force turnovers. They play great defense, and, and they took care of the Cowboys pretty easily. A game that the Cowboys should have won, and I'm I'm disappointed uh, to be honest with you. I've never been a Jason Garrett fan. I really haven't. He's had a great relationship with Jerry Jones and that front office, but he's been an underachieving head coach throughout his career. And I, I don't think I'm saying something that Dallas Cowboys fans are. Saying like, man, why are you why are you bashing Jason Garrett? Everybody's bashing Jason Garrett out there. I've been bashing him for the past few years because I think the talent level that he's had here uh, with this team, he should go deep into the playoffs. I'm not saying that the Cowboys are a Super Bowl caliber team, but this is the team that should win the weak NFC East. I mean, you've got the Redskins. You've got the Giants struggling. The Eagles can't find an offense. Carson Wentz is not playing at its best. They've got injuries. You can, you can take the NFC East with the 9-7 and seven record, which I'm sure the Cowboys will do. I'm sure they'll still win the NFC East. I mean, the Eagles are a half game back right now, but I just I don't see the Eagles getting better. Um, and that's why I think that the Cowboys are still going to win this division. But this team is, is in trouble. They've been in trouble for a while. Jerry Jones came out after the game and said that you know, I have hopes that this team is going to win four straight games. We're sticking with Jason Garrett. But you know what? Sometimes making an in-season in, in change is good for the team. I, I think it would be good for 
for the entire team to get rid of Jason Garrett and promote somebody else within. Um, Maybe Chris Richard, a defensive coordinator. You've got to do something drastic in order to save this season. Obviously, Jerry Jones doesn't feel that way. He believes in in his boy, Jason Garrett, and he's going to go down with the ship. Again, I think the Cowboys will win this division. They'll make the playoffs, but they'll lose during the wild card round. Uh, Jason Garrett is not going to save his job. I'm sure there will be another team waiting the wings in the offseason that would be happily that would happily take Jason Garrett. But he's just, his his time with the Cowboys has run out, and I think it was pretty evident that um, it was pretty evident on Thursday. It was just the team is is so inconsistent they don't have an offensive identity um it seems like they're they're force feeding uh, Dak Prescott trying to throw the ball a lot and they can't find the balance on on offense and I just I I look up and down their roster this is the team that should be 10 and 6 11 and 5 in, in a weak NFC East division so Jason Garrett you've got four games to to prove me wrong but you're, you're going to have to go on a deep playoff run in order for you to, to keep your job. So I think Jason Garrett, along with Matt Patricia, is going to be one of the, the, the coaches that, that loses his job. Um, let's talk about the, the Falcons against the Saints. This was the light, late game uh, on Thanksgiving weekend. And um, we saw Drew Brees just being efficient. Operating at his old self, the the Saints were able to get pressure on Matt Ryan uh, with that defensive line, and, and something that the Saints have uh, have done well with all year long. Uh, I've been really um, I've been really impressed. You know, we like to talk about Drew Brees and, and Michael Thomas, but that defensive line um, is is able to generate pressure and get 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 to the quarterback, which is so important. And that's why I think the Saints are a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Everybody's talking about the Niners, but watch out for the Saints. Drew Brees is healthy. They've got weapons. Alvin Kamara was back in the lineup and, and making some plays, um, catching the ball out of the backfield, breaking big runs um, on Thursday. And I saw a team that, that's primed to to make a deep run in the playoffs. And... Uh, yeah, it's not going to be easy, but they, they've still got a quarterback. They've got a quarterback on a mission in, in Drew Brees. And Sean Payton, one of the best head coaches in the business. Um, and I've been impressed with that defense as well. Let's talk about the Falcons. I think Dan Quinn knows his fate. Uh, last year, he, he fired three coordinators. He took over the defense, and it just it hasn't been pretty. It really hasn't. Dan Quinn is a former defensive coordinator, and it just it really hasn't worked. It hasn't worked out. And right now we all know that he is he's hanging in the balance, but I think Arthur Blank has basically made up his mind. He, he's not going to make a change during the season, but Dan Quinn is going to be one of the head coaches that's going to get the ax on, on Monday, um, that, that fateful Monday after the season. Um, the Falcons haven't been the same ever since uh, losing that Super Bowl to the Patriots. And by the way, that was a Super Bowl that they should have won. Um, Matt Ryan hasn't been his efficient self. Uh, I think the offensive line hasn't been great. That defense has struggled mightily. It, it really has. Um, I just like I said, 
They they had a two week stretch. They they started off the season one and seven. Uh, they had a two week stretch there that the Falcons looked like their old self, and then they've gone back. They they've lost two straight games to the Bucks and the Saints. They're division rivals, and it just for all those optimists out there, for all those Falcons fans that were believing that hey they're gonna turn it around, they figured it out. Certainly hasn't been the same. They won two games. They've lost their last two. And another head coach that, that's going to get the axe is, is Dan Quinn. Uh, just hasn't, hasn't gotten the job done the way he should have. Uh, obviously, we've seen um, his overall record is 37 and 34. Um, obviously, he's won one NFC championship, one NFC South championship, two playoff berths. Um, during his his tenure, he was hired in 2015, but it just it's not working out right now. You got to realize that Matt Ryan isn't getting any younger, and therefore you got to get a head coach in there that can maximize this offense with Julio Jones and Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley, uh, somebody that can get him back into the playoffs and, and get this team headed in the right direction. Because it looks like the Falcons team has has given up on Dan Quinn. And uh, I think it's it, it's fairly evident out there. Uh, but again, watch out for the Saints. Uh, the Saints are clicking, and um, I'm more impressed with their defense. I, I know what that offense can do. Uh, they sometimes put Taysom Hill in, and they, they run some plays with him. Um, he lines up in the Wildcat. He runs with the ball. He can throw it. Taysom Hill is, uh, is a do-all type of... Uh, type of player for the Saints. But it's it's that defense that's that's going to carry them in the playoffs. Let's talk about Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas has 110 receptions through 12 games. It's most by any receiver. Um, and I want to remind our listeners that the record is held by Marvin Harrison. He set the record in 2002 with 143 receptions during the regular season. Michael Thomas has... Four more weeks to break that record. He needs 30, 34 receptions to surpass Marvin Harrison. Michael Thomas is, I'm not afraid to say it, he's the best receiver in the business right now. Antonio Brown has moved on. He's not playing anywhere right now. And um, the only other wide receiver, I would say the two other wide receivers that you can make a case for are Julio Jones, who has been injured this season uh, he's been banged up and um, and another receiver is DeAndre Hopkins who I just I love to watch and he catches everything with his hands he's got great body control a man that, that can make contested catches all day long but Michael Thomas has emerged as the number one wide receiver in the game and Drew Brees always looks his way when he needs that play Michael Thomas is always open He's always open. Whenever you throw to Michael Thomas, you know he's going to make a catch because his efficiency rate is just, it's amazing. Every time you, you throw the ball near Michael Thomas, he's going to come up with the catch, whether he's covered or not. So it's not a surprise that he's most likely going to break Marvin Harrison's record. And uh, this is this is kind of the, the season, the coming out party for, for Michael Thomas. And I would actually make a case. You know, we all know that the MVP award is going to go to a quarterback, whether it's Patrick Mahomes, or Lamar Jackson, or Russell Wilson. But I want to make a case for a wide receiver. 
I want to make a case for Michael Thomas being in the MVP race because I think he should be. He should be. The, the numbers that he's putting up, the yards that he's piling up, the touchdowns, uh, being the, the guy for the Saints, you know that you have to, the opposing defense knows that it has to stop Michael Thomas, but isn't able to do that. Doesn't have great speed, but he runs good routes and he catches everything. And he's a big body. And um, he can take it 20 yards on a slant. He can run, he can run quick outs. He can run post routes. I mean, he, he's got everything in his, uh, in his repertoire in terms of, of running routes. He knows how to set up cornerbacks. And it's just, he's Mr. Efficient. And um, I, I would love to play with Michael Thomas. I would love to play with the wide receiver that can catch almost everything that, that, that's thrown his way. So I wanted to give praise to Michael Thomas and say, hey, Michael Thomas for the MVP award. Don't sleep on it. And uh, I think it's, it's legitimate out there, boy, boys and girls. So we've talked about Dan Quinn. We've talked about Jason Garrett. We've talked about Matt Patricia. Those three head coaches, I believe, are, are going to get the ax. Let's talk about a couple of more. Let's talk about the Giants, Pat Shermer. Uh, Pat Shermer, and uh, he's done a pretty good job with, with what he's been presented. But I don't think Dave Gettleman is, is a very patient man. The Giants had a good draft, and um, obviously Daniel Jones has been a revelation during his rookie season ever since he's been inserted there. And if you look at the numbers the past three games, Daniel Jones is, is not throwing picks. Uh, he is accurate. But the Giants aren't winning games, and that's what it comes down to. And, and it's the same, same old Pat Shermer. Same old Pat Shermer who has a uh, 7-16 and 16 record right now. Uh, I'm not saying the Giants are a great team. I mean, they traded away a, a few guys. Uh, they got rid of a few guys. Landon Collins left. He would have been great help. Odell Beckham was traded. Obviously, they're in rebuilding mode right now. But I don't think that I think the Giants realize that Pat Shermer isn't the guy for to develop these players. I think his coaching staff has done a good job with Daniel Jones to get him ready. But I don't think it's going to be enough. To, to save his job. So I think Pat Shermer is, is another head coach that's uh, going to get the can. Let's talk about Doug Marone for the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, the Jacksonville Jaguars, this is, this is the same team a couple of years ago that was on the cusp of going to the Super Bowl. They could have beaten the New England Patriots. They got conservative with Blake Bortles, and that, that defense went to waste. That defense with Jalen Ramsey, Telvin Smith. That defense was clicking on all cylinders during that season. And, and Doug Marone was having his coming out party. But one AFC South championship game, one playoff berth, is that going to be enough? Obviously, Doug Marone has been head coach there for three seasons. His record is 19-22. and 22. Look, they, they've built a team. Their defense is playing better this year. Uh, Josh Allen, the, the rookie from Kentucky, uh, has been another guy that's been able to, to get into the starting lineup and, and get after the quarterback. Um, he's, he's been much more efficient in, in pass coverage than I would have ever anticipated. Leonard Fournette is, got himself in shape during the offseason, and he is in the best shape of his life, and he, he's running wild. I'm seeing a different 
Leonard Fournette um, this year. Uh, the, the guy that I saw during his rookie season, but he's really coming to his own, carrying that offense. He's catching the ball better out of the backfield. We all got excited with Gardner Minshew, the, the rookie quarterback that came in in relief of Nick Foles. Won a few games. Jaguar fans got excited. Obviously, during his last game, Minshew laid an egg. Just didn't play well, and Nick Foles is, is back in the fold. But the Jacksonville Jaguars are struggling right now. They're, they're not winning divisional games. And uh, I just feel like if they continue to lose, if they go one and three the rest of the way, I don't think Doug Marone is, is going to survive. Uh, this, is, this is a very competitive division when you look at it. The, the Texans, the Colts, um, obviously you've got uh, the Jaguars and the Titans. This is if you win a couple of games, you'll win this division by by having a nine and seven record. We all know Andrew Luck retired. Marcus Mariota has been benched, and Ryan Tannehill is is leading the charge for the Titans. Um, the Colts, obviously, with Jacoby Brissett being banged up. The the Texans. I mean, one game you you see an explosive offense, and then another game they're giving up over forty points to Lamar Jackson. Well, everybody's giving up forty points to Lamar Jackson. This is a division that, that's for the taking. Kind of the, the same thing with the NFC East and the Cowboys. And I'm just, I'm surprised. I mean, the Jaguars have a good team. They really do. Nick Foles is an efficient game manager. If they can run the football and play good defense, this is a team that, that could get into the playoffs. But unfortunately, I just don't see it. And again, Doug Marone's time. I, I think he should go back to college or coaching the offensive line. I just, I don't see... A guy that is a great head coach. I don't see a, a guy that that makes good in-game decisions, and uh, he struggles with that part. I think he is an assistant coach or head coaching material in, in college. I just I don't see that he's going to be able to uh, come up with it like he can. Um, let's talk about some more head coaches on the hot seat. And there are a few more, believe it or not. The two more that I want to talk about. Let's talk about Ron Rivera. Carolina Panthers head coach who, who's been there forever, uh, to be honest with you. I mean, obviously him and Cam Newton has been, have been tied for, forever. He's been a head coach since 2011. Ron Rivera has a very good coaching record, 75 and 58. Um... He has won NFC Championship trip. He's won the NFC South Division three times. Four playoff appearances for Ron Rivera. And he's just been... He's been Mr. Efficient. He's never been the guy that... It, this has always been a Ron Rivera. He wins the NFC South, and then next year, they wind up with a 7-9, and 6-10 and 10 record. He's never been a guy that's been able to build on that success. And right now, obviously, Cam Newton is injured, and the whole offense revolves around Christian McCaffrey. Um, it's not a bad thing to have. And the Carolina Panthers have a good defense. I mean, we're talking about the Niners' defensive line, but the Carolina Panthers' defensive line is, is also a unit that, that can bring constant pressure. Uh, they're able to do that on a regular basis out there. So Ron Rivera, he's not a bad head coach. I just think his time has run out with the Carolina Panthers. It really has. 
I think the Panthers are going to be looking for a quarterback in next year's draft because I think they'll they'll cut ties with Cam Newton. Kyle Allen is is a backup quarterback at best. I'm not sure that Will Greer is the future starting quarterback on this team. The Panthers are going to have a top 10, top 15 pick. They might wind up with a quarterback. So um, I think they're going to be in the market for, for a guy in the draft, um, in the 2020 NFL draft. And I just think it's, it's time to start over. Like I said, <clears throat> I think a lot was expected out of this. And maybe, again, Ron Rivera will get another shot. Because with Cam Newton being banged up and not being completely healthy this year. And he, he's now out for the season. But I just think the Panthers need to move on. Go in a different direction. Go with an offensive coach. With an offensive identity. And I think, again, uh, Ron Rivera is a nice head coach. And I'm sure somebody is going to hire him um, in the offseason. Uh, another team. But I just think that Eight years that he's had with Carolina Panthers, his time is also up. And the last head coach that I wanted to talk about is Freddie Kitchens. I've, I've piled on in the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I've said that there's no reason that they should have received this hype in the offseason. They just they haven't... <laughs> they didn't have any players on the roster that have won it. Uh, a rookie head coach that was only an offensive coordinator for half of the season. It's been said many times before. They, they gave him the job. They obviously felt like Freddie Kitchens was going to be the home run pick. And it's been an undisciplined team that's been turning the ball over uh, throughout. Baker Mayfield has regressed. Um, obviously, that whole incident with Miles Garrett. It goes back to the head coach as well. The head coach doesn't have a hold on his star players. But you know what? The last three games, the Cleveland Browns have gotten it together. We all talked about it. Uh, they had an easy part of the schedule. And uh, they were going to go on this roll. Because the first part of the schedule was a tough one. And the second part, the Cleveland Browns have one of the easiest schedules in the NFL. So I guess this was to be expected. But B Baker Mayfield is playing well the past three games. And they it's not a surprise that they've won the, the last three games. And they go to the Steelers this week. Uh, they're 5-6. and six, And Freddie is, is trying to keep his job. So I would say this. If Freddie doesn't make the playoffs, the, he will lose his job. Because... Having an 8-8, eight 9-7 eight, record not getting into the playoffs with the expectations that were, that were there for, for the Browns in the offseason, I would say Freddie has got to continue winning those games. Right now, I mean, if he goes on a tear and they finish the season 10-6, and 9-7, and, and get into the playoffs, and even if they lose in the wild card, um, he gets to keep his job. But I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. And I think the Browns need to admit that they made a mistake hiring Freddie Kitchens. They need to move past him. And they need to fire. Uh, they need to hire a head coach in the offseason that has a lot more experience. Maybe like a Ron Rivera. I think that would be a good start. So I think John Dorsey and that organization just needs to admit that they made a mistake and they need to move on from Freddie Kitchens because he's not long-term head coaching material. I'm not sure he's even uh, an offensive coordinator in this league. He should be coaching running backs. 
That that's that's his forte. Or going back to high school, where he spent some time. I just I'm not a big fan of Freddie Kitchens. I, I don't think he knows what's going on out there. He's not making the decisions or the adjustments that a good head coach should make during games. So I'm piling on on the Browns. Uh, everybody's piling on on the Browns. So I'm I'm continuing to do the same with with Freddie Kitchens. So that's. That's my list. That's my list of head coaches that I think are going to get axed. Pat Shermer, Dan Quinn, Doug Marone, Ron Rivera, Jason Garrett, Freddie Kitchens, and Matt Patricia. I think it's seven. Seven head coaches will, will lose their job after the season. We already had one. Jay Gruden uh, with the Washington Redskins. And obviously, the, the Redskins <laughs> cut bait. From, from the Jay Gruden experiment uh, at the halfway point. I don't think anybody else is going to get fired right now. I think all these head coaches that I mentioned that are in trouble are going to get the axe after the season. I don't think anybody else um, is going to get fired. You know, the, the one... I thought Jerry Jones might <laughs> cut the axe on, on Jason Garrett after that Buffalo Bills game. The Cowboys are 6-6. Six and six. Obviously, Jerry Jones went on the defense and he said, Jason Garrett is my guy and I'm hoping for the best that we'll win the next four games. Well, good luck to you, Jerry. Sometimes you just have to know when, when to cut bait. And certainly you, you just love Jason Garrett way too much, have way too much respect for him. Again, Jason Garrett is an average head coach some reason has been has been billed as, as one of the top guys in, in the game. What has he won? What has he won with that roster? He hasn't won anything. I realize that we'll always remember that Packers game when Des Bryant should have been the catch and the Cowboys should have won. But other than that, I mean, Cowboys have been an underachieving team with, with Jason Garrett in charge. And I wanted, to, you know, there's one more thing I wanted to praise. I wanted to praise Frank Gore, uh, running back for the Buffalo Bills. He uh, he passed Barry Sanders for third on the all-time rushing list. Uh, he's got Walter Payton and Emmitt Smith ahead of him. And Frank Gore has had Mr. Efficient. Uh, Mr. Efficient, he played with my Niners for, for a while. And he was with the Colts, and now he's with the Bills. And I want to praise Frank Gore for for keeping himself in shape, for having a great career. And I think eventually, eventually, it might not, he's not going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I think eventually he will get his way into the Hall of Fame. It, it might take a while, uh, but he's piled on those rushing yards and um, he's, he's never been a guy that's been talked about as a top five, even top 10 running back, even during his best days. But I just think, you know, Frank Gore has definitely earned that that right to, to be in the Hall of Fame. Let's move on to college football. Look, I wanted to start off with Oregon losing to Arizona State. I've been a Justin Herbert proponent. Um, I think there's a lot to, to fall in love with there. Uh, Justin Herbert has the size. He's got huge arm. He's got athleticism. He's got he's like the perfect mold uh, of that quarterback that you're looking for. Uh, a big guy with a strong arm who's athletic that can avoid pressure. But you know what? In those big moments, when you need a big play, 
when you need Justin Herbert to rally the troops and, and make that play, he always falls short. And that's something that I've noticed. You know, obviously, he's, he excels in those quick, short throws, making those first reads. He, he's able to make and go through those progressions, but he rarely does that. And, um, and against Arizona State, when I wanted him to make that, that big-time play, when I wanted him to lead the charge and, and propel Oregon to, to that win, he wasn't able to do that. I always make that case that against the better teams or the better defenses, Justin Herbert always seems to be average. He always piles on on those, on those teams that are less, less than average, you know, average defenses. That's when Justin Herbert shines. And I'm critical of Justin Herbert right now because if we're talking about a top five quarterback, we need a defining moment. We need a guy that has to make the plays against a good team. He has to make a pl the plays against a tough defense. And I'm looking at you, Justin Herbert, against Utah. You've got a shot you know, in, that, in the Pac-12 championship game to prove me wrong because Utah has a good defense. They've got a great defensive line. They'll get after you. Make some plays. Have one of your best games on the national stage. Prove scouts wrong that you can make those plays in, in critical situations. Oregon took themselves out of the race, and um, Arizona State came up with, with an upset win. So Oregon is out of it right now. And this week, we've got a couple of big games. Let's start with the big game, Ohio State against Michigan. Bavada has... Ohio State minus 9.5 on the road over Michigan. I've been a Michigan Wolverines apologist this season. Obviously, they were my team. I thought they were going to win the Big Ten championship. I thought they were going to get into the college football playoff. Jim Harbaugh still hasn't had that defining win against Ohio State. I think he's going to get it this week. All right. Michigan Wolverines have been playing better ever since that, that Penn State game. In the second half, they, they got together and they started playing better. The past four weeks, that offense is clicking. Shea Patterson is playing on a different level right now. Obviously, he hasn't seen that Ohio State defense. He hasn't seen Chase Young. And Michigan has to do a great job against Chase Young in, in order for Patterson to have success. Um, but they've got the firepower. They can run, Michigan can run the football. And those wide receivers are making plays for Patterson out there. I think Michigan has a good offensive line that can hang with Ohio State. Right now, I'm calling the upset here. I think Jim Harbaugh, Michigan hasn't beaten Ohio State since 2011. But if LSU can beat Alabama this season, and again, we go back to last time LSU won against Alabama was in 2011. It was eight years, and we got that, that win in 2019. I'm calling. I think the Michigan Wolverines are going to come out on top against Ohio State. We saw that Ohio State was rattled against Penn State at times, but they were able to bounce back and still come out with the win, with the 10-point win. I think Michigan is a better team right now. They're clicking on all cylinders, and I think Harbaugh will get that win this week. I, I know I'm in the minority, and people are like, man, you hate Ohio State. You're a Michigan apologist. Yes, maybe I am. But the thing is, 
I called it before the season that Michigan was going to beat Ohio State at the end of the season. They're not going to get in the Big Ten championship game, but they're going to pull off the upset win. So I'm not saying put the money on Michigan, but the Wolverines are going to pull off this upset at home. Another big game is Alabama. Uh, Bobata has the Crimson Tide minus 3.5 on the road over Auburn. And um, obviously Tua is not the quarterback there and Alabama is fighting for his life. But when Nick Saban needs a win, he always gets it. And he knows he ha- he can't lose another game or he's going to be out out of the college football playoff. He's got to stay in the race. So I think Alabama is going to dominate uh, on both sides of the ball. Um, I think they're going to put up uh, their, their best performance of the season. I think they're going to win uh, against Auburn. Big Ten West title up for grabs. Um, Wisconsin against Minnesota. And Wisconsin, according to Bovada, is minus 2.5 on the road versus Minnesota. Um, the winner of this game is going to get it in the Big Ten. Big Ten will win the Big Ten West title and get in the Big Ten championship game. And I want to congratulate Jonathan Taylor. He had his 12th 200-yard game. Now he has 5,856 career yards, the most by any player in FBS history throughout his junior season. I'm sure Jonathan Taylor is going to enter the 2020 NFL Draft, but right now Taylor is focusing on the the Minnesota Gophers. And I just think, look, the Gophers have had a great season um, running the football and and Tana Morgan has been an efficient quarterback. We, we saw what he did against Penn State. Um, but still, Wisconsin, that offensive line with Jonathan Taylor, I think they're going to run down Gophers' throats uh, on Saturday, and they're going to win the game. I think Wisconsin will capture another Big Ten West title and, and get back in the, the Big Ten championship game. So um, I'm, I'm taking the Wisconsin here. And the only upset that I'm picking is the Michigan Wolverines. That that's my game. That's my team. And I just they have to have that defining moment for for Harbaugh. Everybody is is down on him. Everybody is down on the Wolverines. But I've watched them the past three or four games. It's a different offense. Nico Collins is making some plays on the outside. Uh, Shea Patterson is playing better, and they can still run the football. So. Michigan is not getting any respect, and I think Harbaugh can play that card because on the national stage, not it, everybody's saying Ohio State is the best team. They're in the number one team, and they're going to obliterate the Michigan Wolverines. And it seems like every year I'm picking Michigan at the end of the season to beat Ohio State, and it never happens. But the thing is, Harbaugh doesn't have to go against um, Urban Meyer this year. Ryan Day is having a great season. Ohio State hasn't faced a team like Michigan this season. So I think that balance, I think what Michigan has to do is they have to stop the run. They have to stop J.K. Dobbins. They have to make Justin Fields a passing quarterback. If they do that, they'll have success. So this was Blitzcast number 84. I'm Alex Kavtov. Thank you for listening. I'll come back next week. Take care.